looking at verse 20. As you know, we've been studying the subject of managing your family. Amen. Glory to God, because God wants that to be done in your family. You need to learn how to manage your family. And once again, this is a practical teaching. Amen. It's a what? Practical teaching. There's nothing that really makes you shout, but our job is to put you in a position to shout. Let me say it again. My responsibility is to put you in a position so you can shout. It's hard to shout when you disorganized. It's hard to shout when you ain't got a dime in your pocket. It's hard to shout when you go to the mailbox and it's full of bills. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. It's hard to shout. Come on, say amen, somebody. So that, um, what we're trying to do is put you in a position where you can shout. And once again, we talked about this. When God put together the first family, he also put together the first business. And they became one flesh, the Bible says. Amen? The word told us not to be slothful or slow with business. We found that in the book of Ecclesiastes that dreams come by handling business. Amen? Then we talked about how you need to learn this before you get married. I need some more volume on the stage. We talked about how you need to learn this before you get married. We looked in Deuteronomy 24 and it showed how handling business causes a couple to get off on the right foot. Come on. We talked about following God's methods. God's method of doing business because why? God is the ultimate businessman. Are you, listening? Are you listening to me out there? We talked about we need to share methods together and communicate. Have y'all done any of this? The word told us to write the vision and make it plain. So we need to write down what we're doing. We need to learn how to be patient and don't dig a hole for ourselves. Oh, come on now. We found out there are laws of poverty as well as there are laws of prosperity. We looked at the ant, we looked at the coonies, we looked at the spiders, and we found out discipline is required and learning how to restrain our spending is required. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Then we talked about leaving an inheritance. And we're going to pick up where we left off from there, Proverbs 19.20. There's a ringing up here. Proverbs 19.20. Proverbs 19.20 reads, Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in the what? In the what? In the what? In the latter end. Now, there is no fool like an old fool. Let me say it again. There is no fool like an old fool. And see, an old fool is one who will not receive wisdom and counsel when they were younger. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. So their ladder turns out to be messed up. 
because they were hard-headed because they didn't learn these things while they were young. Young people, are y'all listening to me out here? And it says here, hear counsel and do what? Receive what? Instruction. The Word of God, once again, is teaching us how to manage our affairs. Why? Because God needs your individual small business to be successful so that his work can be done in the earth. If you're not successful, God can't do what he needs to do. Are you listening to me out there? Why? Understand this. This is much bigger than it just being about you. Look at Proverbs 26.2. It's much bigger, folks, than it just being about you. He needs your small business and your family to be successful so he can do some things in the earth. But if y'all broke from the floor up, family tore up, what can he do? You can barely pay your tithes if you tithe at all. Because you're so much you're so much in financial bondage, you're afraid if I tithe, I'm, I can't pay this bill. Come on. It's much bigger than you, folks. God needs your family to be successful. So he can flow some things through you. Proverbs 26.2 says, As a bird by wandering, as a swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall what? Shall not come. The good news translation reads this way. Curses cannot hurt you unless you deserve them. You read what I just read? It says, curses cannot hurt you unless you deserve them. They're like birds that fly by and never light. See, the curse is laid out in many places, especially in Deuteronomy 28. And the curse of the law is threefold. It's poverty, sickness, and death. What is it? Poverty, sickness, and death. The very first curse of the law is poverty. That means we need to understand when we don't follow God's business principles. And the Bible already shows us he has a lot to say about this. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then we get over into the area of the curse. It wasn't God's fault. It was our fault. How many people know that God wants you on the blessing side and not the curse side? Amen. About three people raise their hand. What about the rest of y'all? Come on. But whether or not you're on the blessing side or the curse side depends on whether or not you heed instructions and whether or not you follow instructions. Because I can be preaching up here all day long and you go out there and do not one thing that I told you to do. Then you want to come crying to me for a counseling session. 
when you could have learned it right here in church. Now, I got to rehearse everything I taught you in church in a private session. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Go to Proverbs 13, 22. Proverbs 13, 22. Let's finish some things we didn't finish the last time we were together. And we're going to read this together. Proverbs 13, 22. Let me know when you get there. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Come on, let's read it again. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. See, what people only want to receive is part B of this verse. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Hallelujah. Come on. So we're only going to talk about part A of that verse. Where it says, a good man leaveth. It didn't say taketh. It didn't say spendeth. It says a good man what? Leaveth what? An inheritance to his what? To his children's children. In other words, you, listen here, you have a responsibility to the next generation. Let me say it again. You have a responsibility to the next generation. God intended for each generation to build up the previous generation. Are y'all with me out here? One of the reasons why we as a people don't get as far as we should. As far as we should get is because why? Because we don't leave anything to the next generation where they have an opportunity to start at a higher level than we started at. Each generation is supposed to leave an inheritance for the next. So guess what? You may have started off at zero, but your children should not start off at zero. They should start off at a higher level. In other words, they should start with what you have left and not start from zero. And your grandchildren, come on, your grandchildren should start at a higher level, come on, than your children because why? They have been left what you left and what your children left. But this is most people's attitude. Most people's attitude is this. Well, I had to start from nothing. So they should have to start from nothing like that. Just like me. I had to work hard. That's unscriptural. It's ungodly. And it's totally selfish. You should want your seed to go further than you. Let me say it again. You should want your seed to go further than you. And they can go further than you when they can start off from the very first day further than what you let them at. Come on, say amen, somebody. So the Bible says a good man. A good man. And the Bible says a lot about a good man and what a good man is scripturally. But it particularly talks about this one right here where a man looks to leave something to the next generation. 
Now, you can't leave something for the next generation if you don't save for it and if you spend it up. I got quiet all of a sudden. You can't save something for the next generation if you don't save for it and you what? Spend it up. Well, I don't have any kids. Well, leave it to your nephews. Leave it to your nieces. Come on, say amen, somebody. You should be leaving something for someone. Let me say it again. You should be leaving something for someone. Your death should never take money from people. Your death should always leave something to people. Come on, are you with me? I told you this is a practical teaching. Your death should leave something. Not take something. Come on, say amen, somebody. Every person, listen to me now, every person, regardless of your age, ought to have life insurance. Well, I'm just 22. I don't need life insurance. You're the main one I'm talking to. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because think about it. At age 22, life insurance will cost you little to nothing. Now, when you're 70, it's going to cost you because now you're at higher risk. So you want to buy it when you're 20. Come on, you want to set yourself up. Come on, say amen, somebody. You never want to be a hindrance to anybody. Here you are dead, dead and gone, and people have to pay your bills, and that's wrong. Because them bill collectors are coming after somebody. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, I said this is practical. Now, they shouldn't be wishing for your death. But when you do die, they should be saying, you know, that was a man or woman of God. We know they left something because why? They are good people. They are what? And when it comes to life insurance, always go with a term insurance. Never go with a whole life or a savings plan inside your policy. Why? It'll cost you more money. And then they'll say you're getting all this interest. They don't take into account the first two years you get zero, so you're already in a negative interest already, and you'll never catch up with those two years. And then they say you can borrow against it, and you're borrowing your own money. That's stupid. That just don't make any financial sense. Why would I borrow my own money and then pay interest on my own money? That's why you always get term. You put your savings in a, in a bank account or some type of CD or whatever. Come on, say amen, somebody. Are you with me out here? Let me say this again. You should already have a will. Come on, I can't say this too many times. You should already have a what? Have a what? Listen again. You should also have a medical will. That talks about what happens to you. A what? A medical will. Nobody should be going through the agony of trying to find out should they or should they not take out the plug. Do you know how many families get into arguments fighting in the hospital? 
Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. You should already have, your, have, have, have everything known, have your wishes known, already laid out. Already laid out. Come on, you should already have, have that done, already done. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, I'll do it when I get age 90. You may not reach 90. Come on, I trust that you'll reach 90, but there's some people have been, been, been buried at 10 and 20 and 25. Come on, say amen, somebody. In other words, you want to take all the guesswork out. Come on, say amen, somebody. Take all the fighting out. You want to take all the poverty out. Come on, say amen, somebody. You don't want to be giving money to all these other entities, amen, that, and that comes from you taking care of business now. Somebody taking care of business every day. Tell your neighbor, take care of business. Come on, tell somebody else, take care of business. Start at the end of this year getting stuff straight before you go into next year. Has anybody started yet? Oh, that's low. Lord. I'm just up here just wasting my time. Go to Romans 12.1. Start straightening stuff out now. Because how is God going to trust you with what he said he's going to bless you with if your family is jacked up? And the minute he gives it to you, it's going to go right out the window. Go back to the enemy, and he just gave it to you. Because you have no financial business sense. And he's trying to teach you that. Come on, say amen, somebody. Romans 12, 1. And see, when it comes to teaching like this, now this may be common sense to you. But to your neighbor, it's not, folks. Eight out of ten people in this room have not done what I'm talking to you about. Romans 12, 1. Eight out of ten people in this room have not done it. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable service. And be not what? Be not what? Conform to this world, but be you what? Transform or change by the what? By the renewing of your mind, another way, a new way of thinking that you may what? Prove. The Greek word for prove here means allow. Somebody say allow. That you may allow what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, whether or not none of these ha three happens, it depends upon you. On what you do, amen, or what, not what God does, what you do. He says here the word good. Then he says acceptable. Then he says perfect. Then he says will of God. Where the word good here is the Greek word for benefit. Somebody say benefit. The word acceptable means well-pleasing. The word perfect means complete. The will of God means the choice of God. Let me say it again. The word good here in the Greek means benefit. The word acceptable means well-pleasing. The word perfect means complete. The will of God means what? The choice of God. So this verse reads like this. Be not conformed to this world age, 
but be, chance, be, but be changed by the renovation of your mind that you may allow what is beneficial, that you may allow what is well-pleasing, that you may allow the complete choice of God for you in your life to come to pass. Now understand this. There are three levels. There's the good, the acceptable, and the perfect. The other what? The good, the acceptable, and the perfect. Now let me take a little side note here. There's a difference between ministries and ministry anointings. Say it again. There's a difference between ministries and ministry anointings. If you have a prophet of God come through like a Kenneth Copeland, and he's a proven prophet of God. Say it again. He's a proven prophet of God. Whether a prophet, whether, whenever, listen, whenever a prophet of God comes in your house, you should never miss it. Especially if Bishop Butler comes in here. Because many times, even though you're our bishop, he stands in the office of a, of a, of a, in the office of a, a apostle, more or less. Sometimes God will have him stand in the office of prophetic, and he'll come specifically just to speak into your life. Matter of fact, we're gonna have a faith explosion with our bishop this come February. He's doing a two-day meeting right here in this church. Are you listening to me out here? It's going to be either February the 18th or somewhere around February 18th and 19th. We'll let you know we'll get flyers out. Amen. Glory to God. He's taking care of everything. He's running everything. He's bringing a team down to run everything. Don't you miss it. Amen. But if you take someone like a Kenneth Copeland, now his job by the Holy Ghost is to teach the complete will of God which is the highest level. Somebody say the highest level. His job is to teach the highest level. Come on. Lay it out for the whole body of Christ so that the whole body of Christ strives to the top tier. That's his ministry anointing. Come on, say amen, somebody. Where a pastor has a different job. I'm a pastor. A pastor has a different job. A pastor... Job, guess what? A pastor's job cannot, I can't just come in and just leave. I can't come in and minister three days and leave for a month or two months or five months or six months. Come on. We don't get to love them and leave them. Like evangelists and apostles, you know, people that come in and just preach to you and they're gone. Then I'm, I'm left with what they left behind. See, a pastor has to stay here, see the same people every week, week in, week out. Even see those who don't come to church walking down the street. They always got an excuse. Come on, say amen, somebody. Babies come in. We see all kinds of people at different levels. So a pastor's job is to minister at the lowest level, medium level, and then help people reach towards the highest level. 
Are you following me out here? Now, I make this distinction for you because why? As I keep going, it may sound as if it may be a contradiction, but it's not. What it is is I'm teaching at different levels where people are. Are you following me out here? And there are three different levels. And everyone, regardless of your level, should be striving for the highest level eventually. You want to get yourself in a position to strive for the highest. So let's lay out some principles here. Go to Psalms 1-1. Let's lay out some principles here. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. I may step on some toes today, so y'all be all right. Young and old. Amen. I'm not a respecter of person, male and female. <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalms 1-1. Amen. And while you're turning there, not only should everyone have life insurance, everyone should have disability insurance too. Amen. What? Disability insurance. Now, we're not confessing getting sick, but again, you have people at different levels. You don't have to be sick, folks. You could be carrying a box down some steps and miss a step and you break your leg. Now you can't work for six months. Come on, say amen, somebody. Disability insurance will help pay your wages while you're out until you get back. Hello? Those kind of things are available to you, and you ought to make use of them. They cost, yes, they cost money, but not much. They cost a little bit, but they can save you a lot. Are you with me out there? Have you found Psalm 1 1? It says, Blessed is the man that what? Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he should be like a what? Tree, what? Planted by the rivers of water, planted, planted, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. A lot of people need to hear this. Because why? Because a lot of people lost their shirt because of the people they dealt with. Come on, are you with me out here? It says, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Why would you go into business with somebody who doesn't share your values? Say it again. Why would you go into business with somebody that doesn't share your values? Why would you go into business with someone who is not born again? But they said they were born again. Well, they said they're a cow. Are they a cow? Come on. Matter of fact, keep a marker there and go to Matthew 12, 23. What did Jesus say? Matthew 12, 33. 
Just because they say they're born again don't mean a thing, folks. Because you can be unequally yoked with a believer. <laughs> Matthew 12, 33. What's he say here? Either make the tree good or its fruit good, fruit good. Or else make the tree corrupt or its fruit corrupt. For a tree, the tree is what? Known by his what? Fruit. Known by his what? Fruit. Just like we ask people who want premarital counseling. She or, me, she or he may come up to me and say, me and such and such, we want to get married. Well, are they saved? And they hesitate. Now, you know if they hesitate, you already know. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, I believe they're saved. Do they consistently go to church? I think so. What church do they go to? What kind of church do they go to? Because once again, you can be unequally yoked with a believer. Come on, you're hoping he's not doing these things. Somehow, you know, if he's not doing these, somehow when we get married, We can get that fixed afterward, after we get married. Let me say it again. Men don't change women. And women don't change men. Women don't change men. You can try all you want. He ain't going to change. He is what he is. If he's not going to church before you get married, or barely going to church before you get married. He's not going to automatically start going to church because you say so. How many women in this church have found that out? Well, listen to me now. In business... If you're in business with a Christian, you still have to operate by business principles. You must draw up a contract. Oh, come on. You still have to get legal representation. You still have to understand what the terms are, and you still have to protect yourself. Come on. Even with your tongue-talking partner, prayer partner. Do you know how many times people get into business with somebody else in the church? Then one of them does the other one wrong. Then they come running to us to fix it. Come on. Well, there is a contract resolution that both sides will come to it. But most times, both sides won't come to it. Now, the right side will come, but the one that knows they're wrong, they ain't coming. So even with another believer, you still have to follow the principles. Now, here's my opinion. Say, this is his opinion. Not in a word, but it's what? Opinion. I would not recommend that you go into business with your best friend. Amen. 
if you want to stay friends. I also, I would also not recommend that you go into business with your relatives. Especially the ones you love the most. If you want to stay in love with your relatives. <laughs> Why is that? Because money has a way of bringing out the worst in people. <laughs> Can I get an amen? How many times have best friends gone into business together? Relatives gone into business together? We know we can trust each other. We love each other. We can work this thing together. Then they're ready to kill each other. And the relationship is done forever. 25 years of friendship just washed down the drain. And you don't even want to talk about relatives. Because you know what will happen if you fall out with so-and-so side of the family. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, you fall out with them, and they go tell the rest of the that side of the family. And the A side of the family gets into it with the B side of the family. And before you know it, you have a family feud. And somebody may not speak to somebody for 25 years or until somebody's dead. Then at the funeral, they want to make up. Then that person is crawling to the casket, snot running down their nose. It's because of some of the stuff I'm talking about here. Because they knew they were wrong, and they never got it right. Now I'm sorry, and it's too late, and they really feel bad. That's why I would recommend that you don't go into business with those folks. I need to get a bigger amen. Don't be coming to me talking about not using sin in this room. Turn to Proverbs eleven fifteen. Because this right here gets people into so much trouble. Proverbs eleven fifteen. This gets a lot of people in trouble right here. Are you learning anything today? Proverbs eleven fifteen. It says, he that is surety for a stranger shall what? Smart for it. He that hated suretyship is what? Is sure. What is suretyship? Because we don't talk that way, right? It means cosigning. It means what? Cosigning. Cosigning is when so-and-so can't get credit. They won't give them the money. They won't give them the car. They won't give them the home unless there's somebody else that they can get if party A doesn't pay. So if party A doesn't pay, they're going to get it from party B. So you sign for them because why? Because you know they're going to take care of business. And you just want to help them out. Well, the word says here you're going to smart for it. The Good News Translation reads it this way. 
If you promise to pay a stranger's debt, you will regret it. You are better off if you don't get involved. This ain't me. This is the God talking. The contemporary English version reads it this way. It's a dangerous thing to guarantee payment for someone's debts. Don't do it. I'm going to say it again. It's what it reads. It's a dangerous thing to guarantee payment for someone's debt. It says what? Don't do it. How many people that you know have done, have done something stupid like this? Come on, say amen. And if the Bible mentions this twice or more than one time within a few chapters, how many people know this must be a huge emphasis of God? Amen. Not me, but who? Amen. Does God know what he's talking about? Amen. Look at Proverbs 17, 18. Come on, a few chapters over. Proverbs 17, 18 reads. What's it say? A man void of understanding does what? Strike a man. In other words, he has no understanding. And because what? Surety in the presence of his friend. Someone with no understanding enters into a relationship where they become the backstop for somebody else's debt. Let me say it again. Someone with no understanding enters into a relationship where they become the backstop for someone else's debt. The good news translation reads it this way. Only someone with no sense. <laughs> would promise to be responsible for someone else's debts. Do you have sense? <laughs> but this is even better. The contemporary English version reads it this way. It's stupid <laughs> to guarantee someone else's loan. So either you don't have good sense or you're stupid. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Turn to Proverbs 22, 26. <laughs> this has gotten so many people in trouble, folks. Proverbs 22, 26. Let's say here, be not thou one of them that strike hands, no understanding, or of them that what? Are sureties for debts. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? <laughs> you can't get any plainer than this, folks. Why would you sign for someone's death, someone else's debt, and then they come after you? And they take your house. They take your car. They take your bed. They take your money, your kids' food, your clothes. And see, that's the third time he said, don't do it. Tell your neighbor, don't do it. How many times have children or family members or friends got into trouble, got locked up, Someone put up their house, their land, and everything they have up for bail and lost it. It's the same thing. Don't do it. 
You do the crime. I ain't putting up my house. Because I should have taught you enough, but you shouldn't even got yourself in that situation. And now you want me to forfeit everything that I earned? Y'all may, y'all may say that's cow. That's the Bible. If God says it. Now the reason I talk to single people and them knowing the other person's financial situation, that's what a pastor's supposed to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. We're anointed to get into your business. The reason I told you singles that is you need to see for yourself what their financial situation is because why? When you are married and so-so who you married got bad problems and then you and them fall out and they skip town, the creditors are coming after you. That person has left you with a huge amount of bills. And guess who has to pay them? Matter of fact, some of them, they were ringing them up because they were mad at you. And they knew they were going to leave. They rung them up, left town, and left you with an everlasting remembrance. Come on, folks. This has happened time and time again. Come on, we're talking real stuff here. You want to investigate. Don't be a person so naive that you think, oh, well, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out after we get married. Don't take things for granted, young people. Don't take things for granted, single people. Are right, you listening to me? Well, here's another one. Go to Ephesians 6 1, since y'all are so excited about that. <laughs> Ephesians 6 1. Ephesians 6 1. Is this making sense to anybody in this room? Ephesians 6 1 says, Children, Obey your parents where? In the Lord. For this is what? And all my children say? Amen. Even those trying to fall asleep back there say? Amen. <laughs> children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Then it says, honor thy what? Father and mother, which is the what? First commandment with what? Promise. That word promise means pledge. And what's the pledge? The pledge is in verse 3. That it may be what? Well with thee, and thou may have what? Live long on the earth. That's a pledge. Say neighbor, that's a pledge. Well, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Because many times what you see is parents co-signing for their children.
Say it again. Parents co-signing for their children. And most of the time, it's their grown children. And the kids leave their parents with a debt. Oh, they can handle it. That's what the parents are supposed to do. That's what kids, that's what kids think. They think because you're their, you're their, they're your child that you have an obligation. And you have so many broken-hearted parents in financial trouble because of their kids. Oh, I'm preaching good at it. And when you dig and find out what happened, they'll tell you, well, my son or daughter really needed a car. They needed this. They needed that. So I became surety. I, I co-signed for them. And now their car is tore up from the floor up, and I'm left with the bill. Listen, if anybody's going to be surety for anybody, the children ought to be surety for their parents out of honor. Out of what? Out of what? Children should be honoring their parents. Why? As children, you have an obligation to the folks that brought you into this world, the people that have fed you, the people that have clothed you, educated you, took care of you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the scripture doesn't say anything about if they were good. Don't say it. And God has a thing. Listen to me now. God has a thing about giving honor to whom honor is due. And the scripture teaches honoring those who come before you. You should be a blessing to your parents. And you should never put your parents in a position whereby they get harmed because of your debts. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. It's flat out wrong. Here they are, coming to the back end of their life, where they should be able to rest and do what God tells them to do and enjoy life after they work 30 and 40 years, they ought to be able to do that and not start over again because their kids were not wise. But parents, you're a part of that. Because why? If you're going to just let your kids operate willy-nilly just because they're your babies and you can't say no, there is a place to say no. Let me say it again. Parents, there is a place to say what? No. There's a place where they can cross the line, and it's right here in the Word of God. Why? There are responsibilities that come along with being grown. Say it again. There are responsibilities that come along with being what? Grown. When kids talk about them being grown, they're not grown. 
I don't care how big they are. I don't care how tall they are. I don't care how old they are. They're not grown until you can take care of yourself. Got your own house. Paying your own bills. Paying your own electric. Water. Come on. Buying your own clothes. Putting your own gas in the car. Getting in your own car. Then you can tell me you're grown. But until then, you're not grown. Oh, hallelujah. But you have an obligation to your parents. And God will not bless you if you don't take care of your obligation. Come on, I'm preaching good in here. Another thing you need to talk to about singles, you need to talk about, and even married folk now, need to talk about what do we do when our parents get old? People don't talk about it. Now, we're teaching the parents that they're not supposed to be a burden unto you. And the parents should be saving money. Come on, say amen, somebody. I mean, the parents should be doing some stuff so that they don't need nothing from you. But still, there's an issue of honor. And you should be discussing, what are we going to do if our parents get old and they need us? Come on, say amen, somebody. Not just yours. What goes for the husband's parents also goes for the wife's parents. So you have to make that decision, and you make it before you get married. Have this discussion, because why? Trying to have this discussion after you've gotten married can be a problem. Matter of fact, you may decide, maybe I don't want to get married anymore. <laughs> Let me see what else is on the market. Because why? You have an obligation to assist them. Are you with me out there? Well, let's lift your hands to Let's stop right there. Lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord. Stay tuned to next week. <laughs> Stay tuned to next week. <laughs> We're taking a commercial break a week. Commercial break. Because I want y'all to meditate on what you got. Because you get so much and won't even look at it again. <laughs> but you got enough for right now. Deal with what you got right now. Then by the time next Sunday come around, you'll be ready for the rest. <laughs> Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you. Come on, God is doing something in our lives, Father. God, has, God is a purposeful God. He has a purpose for everything. And there's a purpose God wants you to have this teaching, folks. Why? He needs you to start getting your family in order. Knowing what to do and what not to do. And it's all in the Bible. Everything I read was in the scripture, was it not? 
come on, it didn't, it, it didn't just jump in the scripture when I started reading it. <laughs> it's been there for a long time. <laughs> but how many times we have violated everything I talked about today? But it's been there. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, if you start implementing what I've been teaching, God's going to take you higher. You will go from glory to glory to glory. Because there won't be nothing to hinder you or your family. You'll set up generations after you with blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon blessings. You'll have what they call old money in the family. See, most black folks don't know nothing about old money. Old money is money that stayed in the family for centuries. It's just passed down, passed down. Because why? We all been taught, that's why we're the biggest consumers in the nation because we've been taught to spend the money. So that's why they market everything to us. But the old money, people with old money, they sit their kids down this high and start teaching their children how to take care of the family business should have something happen to me. And that's why they call it old money because the money has stayed in the family because they raised their children up to take over where they left off. And the children don't start off with zero like our children. Come on, I'm preaching good in here. They start off with millions, billions. We're supposed to be children of God, folks. We're supposed to be children of God. Hallelujah. God is setting you up for something. But you got to make sure that your house is in order. And you don't squander what he's getting ready to bless you with. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Father, we just thank you. You are taking us from glory to glory to glory. You're taking us higher and higher. Think of us. Hallelujah. We give you glory, Lord. Glory to Lord. Never be the same. Never be the same. You take us higher and higher and higher. We'll forever change. Forever change, we go from glory to glory to glory. We'll never be the same, never be the same. You take us higher and higher and higher. We'll forever change, forever change. From glory to glory to glory will never be the same, never be the same. You take us higher and higher and higher. We're 
forever change. Forever change. We go from glory to glory to glory. We'll never be the same. Never be the same. You take us high. 